You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Reporting is eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. Uh, hello, hi everybody welcome to reporting is eligible where jr was counting me down director style into the intro and cracked me up uh, <laughs> ah we we just got finished thrashing the seahawks we have the vikings coming up and uh it's it's stock sale day so um i guess for introductions jr did you did you partake today did you buy any stock are you, are you precluded from buying stock by basically? you know uh, that is a good question by the way this is jr radcliffe trending sports reporter for the milwaukee journal sentinel there is <laughs> There, there, there are a lot of rules about, uh, you know, press box decorum and a lot of sort of philosophy around, you know, just not being too much of a fan. I, I would imagine being a, a stock owner is something that would probably be, I don't know if it's like officially frowned upon, but it sounds a little unethical. It sounds a little not a good idea. So, uh, you know, Derek, if you believe uh, Mike Florio, he'll tell you that there's fine print in there or something that tells you you could you can't even say bad things about the Packers or you'll, yeah. they'll come after you or that's something. Right. So I, I have no idea if that's legit. I I have no interest in the stock, so it's all very, very moot. But that, that's a, <laughs> that is a good question. I, I do think, yeah, I probably should not should not ever buy stock in the Green Bay Packers. See, there's further evidence that it is actually real stock that JR gets squeamish about the thought of buying it. So. I mean, I get squeamish because three hundred dollars is not what I want to spend on something of that nature. I mean, I like the Packers, also but I can that. still be a fan of theirs without laying down the three bills. So that's where I'm at with that. But also, yeah, there's a, yeah, I would, I, w- I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it for the for the professional reason. Okay. I got to keep it profesh. Cool, Matt. I know but, you. You, you have no professional reason. So how about you? <laughs> I have no professional reasons. My name is Matt, but you can call me Matub. Acme Packing Company meme weaver, general Twitter rabble rouser, and Green Bay Packers owner. Yeah, <laughs> new owner Matt Matana. Welcome Matt, to the club. Coming- so in in 2011, um, I was making less than 15 bucks an hour. I was living with my mom, and I had recently dropped out of college. I could not afford to build to drop i think it was 250 at the time on something now i'm in a more comfortable place and i was like you know what what's 300 worth of memorabilia that, also also i know that there are the the venn diagram of packer fans and libertarians is pretty high this is <laughs> pre- preventation of taxation there so you, you guys should be pretty psyched that i i helped keep wisconsin from being taxed Absolutely. That's all this is. is this to, is this is to be expressly clear. I am also an owner. I, I bought my stock in 2011 because I'm an old man who was an attorney in 2011 and could afford that just fine. So um, in, in 1997, I was eight. 
<laughs> so I did not have one hundred and twenty dollars at the time. Oh, and I was not—I was not old in nineteen ninety-seven. So I also did not buy it that one. I was in high school <laughs> rocking out to Jewel and Natalie and Rubia. And- I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Paul was sitting on his couch in college I was watching Beavis and Butthead. That is correct. <laughs> that is, that's pretty much dead on, yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I know we're going to talk more about Seahawks, of course, and, and then the Vikings thereafter. But you, Paul, had a really, really good thread, I thought, on Twitter on uh, Tuesday, sort of explaining. Because, and this happened, I think that this is one of those situations where I think you get more people upset about the pushback than people who are actually pushing back. There's obviously a lot of people who don't yeah, understand you're right. the Packers stock sale. It's very unique. It's very easy to say, well, it's not worth anything. So why are you buying it? You know, like you're just throwing your money at the Packers. Okay. But, uh, but you had a kind of a good explainer that, that sort of maybe makes it even, even for people who own Packers stock or, or are Packers fans, they might not realize just, just the value that there actually is in Packers stock. So give us, give us the cliff notes of the cliff notes that you already put out on Twitter. Yeah. So the cliff notes are, I feel like everybody, when they do the stock release, everybody, not everybody, it gets hammered by some people for just being uh, a waste of money or a souvenir. But um, all Packers stock, even like the original Packers stock that they they first used to set up the team and sold to, I think it's 300 people, um, has these same stringent rules around it where it can't be sold for a profit. Um, The the team and the board have the right of first uh, refusal on purchasing it back. And it can't be sold for a profit. Um, and no one can own more than 5% of the team. Uh, it's against the, the laws of the team. So all of this is designed to keep there from being a centralized owner of the team, to keep the Packers from having their own Jerry Jones, and to essentially make them unmovable. Like it, you, you basically can't move the Packers out of Green Bay. No one can ever get enough of a controlling interest to make that happen. So um, when people say this is fake stock, like, Okay, but all of the stock has kind of the same role. Now, some can vote more. Original stock has more voting power um, and can do more in terms of electing boards of directors and stuff like that. Um, but nobody can sell this for a profit. That stock, the stock is not set up to be a tradable security that you make money on. It's set up for the spe- specific purpose of keeping this team in small town Green Bay and being able to raise money when they need to raise money to do capital improvements and other reasons. And that's the perp- like you don't have to set up a cor- the cliff notes really short version you don't have to set up a corporation strictly to raise shareholder value it, there are lots of reasons people set up corporations there are nonprofits those are corporations there are people who have hunting clubs just so they can get bombed with their friends in, in a place that doesn't need a liquor license like that that that's set up not for the purpose of making money it's set up to have a club with a, a different you know tax incurring. Um, body uh, like legal body and so the the packers aren't set up like a big company but big companies are set up to have um you know to access capital markets via trading securities and the packers aren't set up for that reason they're set up to be decentralized and kind of a pain in the ass to deal with um and that's why they're in green bay and that is why it's kind of a beautiful thing so yeah the stock is fake but it's not meant to be anything else and uh, you know, implicit in in like Florio's column and a few others is the idea that well, it should be normal stock. You should be getting you know re- return on your investment or dividends paid to you. But if that happened, somebody, some owner would buy up a controlling interest in the Packers, and then the, where would you be? Like, so nobody should be rooting for that. So that's the short the short version. It's a brilliant setup. Um, everybody should be envious of it. All all cities should force their sports teams into this model. 
because it would save them tax revenue and it would put power in the hands of the fans and eliminate annoying owners. Um, and uh, this should be the envy of everybody, but instead it is ridiculed whenever it happens. So, sorry. End of rant. And I, I just, just to, okay, so like the original setup is designed to not, to keep the team here. So they don't, they wouldn't necessarily need to have additional stock sales at any point where there's enough yeah. out there now where, okay, they're stuck. They're staying in Green Bay forever. Uh, so, so this additional stock sale, like to be completely fair, is unnecessary in terms of, of the model or whatever. It, but now we get into the point of, you know, people just like to, like to say they're an owner. That's all it is. And it's, it's a cool thing. And it's similar to yeah. buying some giant print of a stadium or a, a jersey that never gets out of the closet. Like you're, it's, it's, it's like any other piece of memorabilia. It's just unique to Green Bay. Yeah. So there's a, a, a couple a couple things like, one, yes, it's a piece of memorabilia, but the team is forced to use the money from the stock sale exclusively for infrastructure improvements. Yes. Also so, that. So this is they are this is instead of taxing Green Bay or the state of Wisconsin with the cost of the stadium like Minnesota did. Uh well, like every giving, stadium does. Like every stadium. Like, yeah, literally. Every, like Minnesota I mean, did. And we should be clear. <laughs> Lambo did do this also. Once. Yes. This yes. did happen. So we can't be totally just like... But but here's the thing. I, I, I do kind of wonder if they didn't quite realize the power of the stock sale even when they did that. And I'm not sure that they'll do it again because they can so, just do this. <laughs> one thing one thing I did learn in my... uh Like, so, okay, for the last year, I've read a lot of books about football, a lot about the history yeah. of football. Curly Lambo was a douche. Like, yeah, yeah, like there's, there's no other way around it. Him, and, George Hallis was also a douche, but they were douche brothers and they liked each other. <laughs> they did. Um, so, um, so the, the original stock sale to me just screams money grab. Like that was, that was Curly being, uh, how can I put this? Like, like he needed money fast. He was because he it was that... post bankruptcy and George Hallis had bailed them out. Yeah. But this was, this was like his, uh, like god forbid he have to give up control of his team excuse me um so yeah the original stock sale kind of set this up which we were getting into it with uh, a, a national media guy who believes in nfts and he was like the packers haven't even had to worry about moving for over 40 years and i was like hey dude like what kept them from moving 40 years ago then yeah. like it, it, <laughs> it only has to stop it once to be effective <laughs> Because if yeah. it fails once, then it's failed completely. Like and a it's corner. Easy, <laughs> it's also easy to see, even if Green Bay is this like strange microcosm in pro sports and, and this crazy town for the Packers, et cetera, et cetera. If, it, if the Packers fell on hard times, if they went through a 10-year window where they were not always competing for the playoffs, let's say they were Jacksonville for 10 years, then the NFL in most in other circumstances would investigate moving them to a bigger market because that that is more profitable for the NFL. You know, like I, I realize right now it seems impossible, unconscionable to think of Green Bay Packers moving, but you know, all it would take is a pro is just a slightly prolonged stretch of, of suffering. And the, and the NFL would investigate that, but this, you mean 20 years, well, 20 years of prolonged suffering. I mean, maybe, maybe, Okay, yeah, but 10 to 15. <laughs> and to be clear, the NFL loves to move teams because they charge a huge fee to the city that, that gets the team that they split between all the owners. It is just a, a huge windfall whenever a team moves. So uh, you may have noticed a lot of teams have moved lately. It's been a huge cash cow for all the owners who uh, who haven't been acquiring the team, like really just gigantic. 
So they're in favor of this, and you really do need a defense against it. Nobody's safe from it. I mean, we're going to have the Arlington Heights Bears at some point in the future. That's, it's not good. It's bad. The, the, hey, you know what though? At least we finally have the Detroit Lions. That, that's true. That's a good point. It's no and the not po- the Pontiac, Pontiac Lions. That's nice. Somebody actually moved into their city instead of out of it. <laughs> All right. So, so you guys are owners. So speaking and I'm of just a guy. Speaking of things that were that were set up to make money and be a corporation, educational football bread. <laughs> <laughs> JR, are you not privy to educational football? No, we bread? talked about it last week. Yeah, we man. did. It okay. was on the last podcast. We're all okay, well, very it, familiar with it. This is an audio format. JR just looked at me like I just kicked a puppy. Like <laughs> I think JR had a good transition he was about to use, and then we got edu- <laughs> we got <laughs> educational football bread. In. Educational football bread is always the best transition. Uh, yeah, I did not have uh, I did not have a good transition, but uh, your owners, I'm just a guy, and uh, the Packers shut out Seattle for the, for the you know it's first time since 2018, but before that you got to go back to the Super Bowl season when they had a shutout. Yep. So this is uh, well, and they shut out the Jets. Was it like zero to nine? It was nine zero. Yeah, <laughs> that was a Mark good Sanchez. Jets team. Yep. Yeah, I know Mark Sanchez was the quarterback, but that that's that Jets team goes to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, like that is a true. good team in New York. And uh, I know, I know you were saying this might be the best team that they've shut out because obviously a lot best of the teams offense. they shut out, yeah, a lot of the teams they shut out are like 500 or worse for sure, uh, including one team in 2001, the Washington team in 2001. This is the first game after 9/11, by the way. They uh, they shut them out. It was like 37 nothing. That Washington team starts 0 and 5, and they finished 8 and 8. I don't know what happened, but they started 0 and 5 and scored like 32 points in those five games. It was baffling. Mm-hmm. They had nothing. And then somehow won a whole bunch of games toward the end. I don't. I don't know. What I think about. that was wasn't that the Stephen Davis rushes for eighteen hundred yard season. So. That's exactly what that was. Okay. Yes. So that that helped when that started happening. Sure, sure. But I mean, like three points in the opener, then zero, then yeah. like seven or something. It was wild. <laughs> and then uh, then they then they were fine. But anyway, sorry tangent. Uh, you wanted to complain about Ben Baldwin again, or at least talk about Ben Baldwin before oh. we get into the nitty gritty. Um, he, he was just doing his normal ripping on the Packers thing. And uh, I was just going to say the one thing I like about Ben Baldwin is that even though he like his not his stick isn't that he's neutral but it's it's very numbersy but you can tell because he is a Seahawks fan and used to write for field goals um that he gets extra angry when the Seahawks are struggling and he gets extra snarky about whoever beats them so he had a thing that he put out a big chart about how the Packers defense isn't actually that good um and and by this thing that just like this percent of drives uh, ends with uh, not getting first downs they're in punts this one this is turnovers and this is something else and uh, the Packers are like 18th in defense by that metric, and R- Ryan and I both saw it. And we're like, I don't know about that. And Ryan looked into it further and was like, Well, the Packers are excellent at preventing explosive plays, like the best in the league at it. And so you should count that uh, as part of being a good defense. Hey, do you know what Pete Carroll considers the the best predictor of a good defense? What's that? Is it explosive um, plays? <laughs> specifically, explosive plays over the middle. He thinks that stopping any play over 20 yards over the middle is the key to having a good defense. That's very specific. That's, what, and, you know, that's why he runs cover three. It's not even all that wrong. Um, it's actually, the, the middle is traditionally the highest efficiency offensive part of the field. So that does make a lot of sense. Yep. So there you go. Pete Carroll, uh, very much like Mike McCarthy, was good during his prime and it just needs to be put out to pasture. <laughs> there you go. The, uh, the Yeah, the whole punting with less than a yard and, and having a 
quarterback like Russell Wilson <laughs> in plus territory is just all kinds of like University of Wisconsin level punting decision making. Not great. But uh, what impressed me about the defense performance here is that there wasn't, you know, I, I did a thing for JSonline.com looking at the last shutouts that the Packers have had. And a lot of them involve missed field goals. You know, it was really bad weather. So like everything yeah. was was crazy. Uh, bad breaks, like a call that went the Packers way or that, that erased a touchdown or something. Like you didn't have any of that here. They they did not have any field goal attempts. They did not end drives <laughs> like nuts. they did not end drives in the red zone because time ran out at, at the end of the half or whatever. Like they, you know, maybe at the end you could argue a couple of those decisions were rushed, but primarily that that defense just straight up stoned the Seattle Seahawks, and it was great. It was takeaways when they absolutely needed them. Yeah, and that's the, the only thing everything. I think you could say is the, the timely takeaways were the, really the big drivers of the shutout. But yeah, and they're not I mean, the air the airmail into the end zone though. Like that's an aggressive. That's a totally. Yeah, you know that wasn't fluky. It was, it was a terrible throw, but it wasn't fluky. It was just and, and you know Russell Wilson was obviously not right. Neither quarterback. <laughs> this would be a so, matchup of quarterbacks. What Russell of the year. needed totally. to do, Russell needed to rehab his hand twenty-two hours a day <laughs> instead of nineteen. Work harder, Russell. <laughs> do you think also, the nano bubbles could convince him to use like that squeeze <laughs> those squeeze things that like strengthen your wrist while you sleep? I feel like also, maybe that's something he could have investigated. Also, something that people don't realize that you can get like hydraulic actuation machines to work you out while you sleep. Yeah, yeah. You can. Um, it's very common after knee replacements. Um sounds awful. So it does. What it, it's so uh, I worked with a guy who had his knee replaced and he said that it took him exactly one night to get used to it. Huh, all right. He said it's silent and it just moves a little bit, but it was enough to like keep it from locking up. Hmm. He said it was actually bad before the machine because he would wake up in the morning and he couldn't move his leg at all. Sure. So, the sure. Machine so this is definitely a situation where they should not have let Russell Wilson come back this quickly. No, absolutely not. His like, like, like it's literally one of the, <laughs> it's one of the top five most important fingers. I mean. <laughs> so, but yes, it's it's it is a like it's it's the finger that has the most touch on the laces. It's right. Like, it's kind of a. You big really need deal. that one. This isn't Brett Favre throwing with his sprained thumb. It, it's uh. It's Which, by the way, Brett fumbled all the time because of his he thumb. He had a like bad season <laughs> because of the thumb. Um, but but did you think it was more, I thought it was more decision-making, and maybe that ties into the, you know, not quite understanding what he was so, capable of, but it was some the, weird. The thing that gets Russell Wilson is the same thing that gets Aaron Rodgers, is he thinks he's Superman, and when he's not Superman, horrible things happen. Yeah. And I agree there was some bad decision-making for sure, but uh, I think a lot of it was zip. He did... Uh, you can see it in the wide receiver numbers. Uh, he targeted um, Metcalf and Lockett. I I, forget, I don't have it. It crashed. It, it was like 5 out of 14 for 69 yards, I believe, off the top of my head. 49 yards. 49 yards combined on those two. But he was targeting them, and he just couldn't get him the ball. It was inaccurate. He couldn't zip it in like he normally does. Um, his arm's usually really good. It was it was floaty in this game. It looked like, <laughs> looked like Jordan Love played again. <laughs> Russell Wilson. <laughs> At an exactly 50% completion for 161 yards, two picks, and a 39 passer rating. Yeah, that's not good. That's the uh, that's less than if you throw it into the ground every play. So, Is, Are you sure? I think it's more. I thought it was I like thought it was 38. Oh, maybe, uh, you're right. I was thinking it was 53, but that's not. That's just what it is plus 100 to be perfect. So, um, Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. It's bad, though. It's bad. Russell was bad, <laughs> and Russell is a psycho. Um, this is also a good – I like Aaron and Russell together because they're both psychos who are good at football. 
And uh, Russell is, as we mentioned last time, he is vaccinated and did a show about it. Um, but uh, he, like, we were making, if you don't know, we were making fun of him for rehabbing 19 hours a day because Russell Wilson said he's been rehabbing 19 hours a day and sleeping five hours a day. And he is serious about that. <laughs> he's not kidding. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. It's not good for well, you. He made a hype video of him. Yeah. Uh, getting his working pin out. out. Okay. Also, by the way, it's funny is when the full description of his rehab work came out, it was literally like he moves his hand while he's awake. <laughs> <laughs> he goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> I I do that about 19 hours a day, but it's just like to put food in my mouth. Yeah. That's how I rehab 19 hours a day. I'll, I mean, this is this is easy stuff. Watching Succession with the music <laughs> in the background. It's really well. It's really good. Uh, you know who else didn't think Russell Wilson was very good? Uh, Gino Smith. Gino Smith. Um, and uh, Gino Smith tweeted a, a somewhat but not that cryptic tweet saying, I wish I could vent right now, but I can't. And then deleted it, but Justice got a screenshot of it. Bless you. Um, <laughs> so um, Gino Smith has played pretty well in Russell Wilson's absence. I think you can make a pretty strong case that it's at least close if he plays this game instead of Russell Wilson. If you maybe not win it because they got 17, but like he's been playing much better than Russell played in this game. And uh, I could see him. I could see why he was mad. And especially if Russ is being a psycho about getting back on the field too soon. Like, it's, uh, it's well, but I mean, Seattle's in dire straits here. Absolutely. Like they, they need to save their season. They still, because of the extra team, they have a shot to make the playoffs still, still, but like, I can see why they're making desperate decisions here. That's true. That's true. They're almost toast. And and I guess you can't argue Russell gives you a better chance and he is a psycho rehabber. But uh, <laughs> I mean, surely in practice, he looked bad. That's the other thing. He, he, you got to see this stuff when he's putting it out there. Yeah. So what happens if what happens if uh, Lockett doesn't have two handfuls of Stokes jersey at the end of the first half? And the moonshot to the end zone gets picked as it should have been. And Russell now has uh, less than fifty percent completion and interception, uh, three three interceptions. At that point, do we go like, okay, maybe, like, like the, does the national media then go, yeah, he should have been benched? I don't is, think is that so. one pick like? Nah. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, it would just be the normal. You can't go against Russell. Just rusty. Packer defense really ascending. Tough, tougher matchup than we thought. So, although I tell you what, like you, you could maybe explain that away, but you saw what the Chiefs did to the Raiders. Yeah, one week after the Packers completely shut them down. I mean, that's obviously Patrick Mahomes something clicking, figuring it out. But like, what a Patrick? He had five. He had five touchdown he had passes. Five touchdowns and four hundred yards. And that game was bonkers. Uh, yeah, like the Chiefs insane. were running like all kinds of cool. Uh, like jet in motion, play action, deep balls. It was, it was a fantastic game to watch. It was the opposite of the Packers game. <laughs> and it's in Las Vegas with a Raiders team that had a better record yeah. than the Chiefs coming in. So that's not a pushover. And uh, clearly, clearly the Packers did something right against the Chiefs. And, you know, I know Arizona struggled again, but like with Kyler Murray out, it's kind of apples to oranges. Yep, but uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I shouldn't say they even they struggled. They, they won. But like. I mean, Russell wasn't uh, right, but this game plan was good. They blanketed um, DK Metcalf. I've never seen be dominated quite this badly in coverage. It, it was. It was I think. Ugly. By the way, I think that's a phenomenal title for this episode. <laughs> Russell wasn't right. <laughs> okay. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know. I like alliteration. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Also, I saw I saw Ron's Ron's gone wrong this weekend, and so the R alliteration has been stuck in my head. Okay. 
Um, I don't have any alliterations, but I will give you some names and we'll do word association. Okay. Uh, Kenny Clark. Uh, also monster pressure. Preston Smith. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. Preston Smith. Did I see he had eight pressures? Yes, he did. Are you kidding me? Preston Smith? What is going on? Preston Smith was destroying the right tackle. Like it was embarrassing. I think yeah, the word that comes to tough. mind with Preston Smith is contract year. <laughs> and Nick most, Perry. Most guys, I don't think it matters that much, but I actually think Preston is uh, is motivated to get paid. So uh, he's uh, he's showing up, and last year I think he wasn't. Yeah, that's total total domination. And TJ Slayton. Really good game. Uh, very dominant inside. Just uh, pushing guys, working off Clark, uh, and uh, didn't play a ton of snaps, but was super effective when he was on the field. TJ Slayton is a name searcher. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. Say nice things. Uh, I made a I made a Bill Brasky joke about TJ Slayton, and he liked it. Oh, that's good. Ooh. Okay. So, just let letting everyone know. All right. Name searcher. So be careful. Frequ- Frequently, when when I hear a secondary get praised for a, a real, you know, you're talking about DK Metcalf and just the receivers in general, I often think immediately, well, was it them or was it the pass rush? Because usually the pass rush is what makes life so easy for the secondary. In this case, I think I, I, I thought it was the pass rush when I watched it live and then yeah. I watched it back. And I mean, obviously, both ends just completely held up their end of the bargain. They like the, they made so many plays in the secondary in this game. I mean, even right in the, even the last drive of the game, like Adrian Amos. I mean, the, the interception he made was it was a bad ball, but it was a hell of a catch. It was a really good catch. Just phenomenal catch. Yeah, it and was they had so many toes, man. pass breakups like it was just it was just oh man, what an overall impressive showing. It was really great. Shaking yeah, but the other Kevin way. King, like, is he good? No, uh, kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, Kevin King. Ha- I think we've Sorry. talked about Kevin King as as having some value as a a decent man corner and uh, who excels in the red zone. And I think they've been kind of using him in smaller spaces, not like slot, but yeah, you know, it's not a coincidence he had his interception in in the end zone where he doesn't have to cover quite as much space and turn and run with a guy and can use his height and and his length to be a problem so um i think they are just doing a good job of using him in the right situations but also he's playing better like he was he's making tackles which i mean that's something kevin king has not always done and i think a show of motivation on kevin king so i think we can give joe barry also some credit here for just getting guys getting guys going because Kevin King didn't do that before. It's very odd to see, and he's he's been quite good at all aspects of the game. Yeah, and now they've got a situation where, with the way Rezul Douglas has played, uh, Jair Alexander comes back. Some very good player is going to be sitting on the sideline. Yep. And I, I don't know if I'd even like count on that because Jair, Jair is still a couple weeks away. I, I certainly wouldn't expect to see him until after the bye. And probably, you know, I don't even know when after that, the way it sounds, there's just no timetable. So maybe it doesn't matter. And maybe when he comes back, somebody, you know, there's, there's enough injury to go around. Like it'll never, I guess it'll, it'll never really come up, but uh, they're secondary, man. I mean, Russell Douglas, you got to add him to the list of guys that these midseason acquisitions or, or just offseason acquisitions that have just paid off. I, I, they just, they've just struck gold over and over again. I mean, that guy, how do you go from practice squad? How is that guy buried on somebody's practice squad? That's, that's crazy to me. You know, one thing that um, I really liked about this game cornerback wise was um, it was very physical. Like I, Matt mentioned the, the non 
offensive pass interference call, but the Packer corners were very physical with the Seattle receivers and the refs kind of let them go. Um, there are definitely officials that would have called a bunch of things in Seattle's favor in this game. Um, mm-hmm. If this game was in Seattle, I think it would have been completely different for that reason. Um, but in the playoffs, this is a good sign. This is a, a secondary that's really built for playoff football because refs do tend to swallow their whistles on contact with receivers in the playoffs. And the Packers play really, really good um, physical football in the secondary. So I, I like how this sets up. This game is a good demo for it. Uh, Russell Douglas was all over, this, well, Lockett, but also um, a bunch of other people. He got a lot of other people responsibilities, and he was mugging people and, get, and getting away with it and doing a good job of it. The uh, the downside, though, the pass rush, as good as it was, uh, took some hits. We know Whitney Merciless has done for the year. You kind of knew right away that Torres yeah. bicep, just the way that they were talking about that injury, treating that injury. And then uh, Rashawn Gary, it looked like, quite honestly, that he broke his arm. Uh, but uh, it turns out it's just a hyperextended elbow. Sounds like they're even maybe going to see if he can play this week against Minnesota. So, uh, so- Gary, Gary himself tweeted something about that. He said, like, don't listen to anyone who isn't on my payroll. <laughs> he did. He thinks he's going to play. I, I mean, it was so bad at the time. The announcers were like, we can't show a replay of it. It's too gruesome, which, yeah, that's <laughs> which not they a showed sign. a replay of it. it. I didn't think it was gruesome. I just saw his arm bend. <laughs> kind of bad. Th- yeah. Writhing in pain, gruesome replay. Yeah, like, that, these things that, do not add up to, was... oh, he might play next week. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. It's, it is too bad Merciless is done, though. He, he he played really well. I think he was also a good influence on some of the other pass rushers, Gary in particular. Uh, and also just a great um, in-season acquisition for a guy who still had something in the tank. Um, so it, they actually will. I think it'll be harder to replace than a lot of than I would have thought four weeks ago for sure. <laughs> well, that's where that's where Tippa comes in. Yeah, right? Tippa is activated. An Acme Packing Company slack favorite for no good reason whatsoever. No, the only reason he's a slack favorite is because Justice loves him and, and his we love Justice. Is high. That's what. It's, <laughs> Tippa Tippa is. Uh, He's he's Kyler Fackrell, right? Like yeah, that's like right. He's, a, he's he's a freak athlete who gets blown off the ball. Yeah, that's the Fackrell slash Spriggs mold. Yeah, <laughs> the Spriggs mold. Yeah, I mean they're, they're cut from the same cloth, you know. Fair enough. Kyler Fackrell, I believe, had three sacks in that last shutout game against the Buffalo Bills in 2018. Oh yeah, well, okay. Yep. He's he is the only person in the history of football to sack someone on accident. <laughs> He he was on his back and rolled into the corner. <laughs> I mean, you got to hand it to him. Yeah, they got Josh <laughs> Allen in his first start, all because of Kyler Fackrell. Not first start, fourth start, but all because of Kyler Fackrell. Yes. Uh, okay. So, is there more on the defense, or do we do we sadly flip over to the other side of the ball? Uh, we should probably talk about the offense um, <sighs> a little bit. Can yeah. Can Aaron Rodgers throw the ball more than fifteen yards? Um. No, not really. Not right now. So better, he had better this question ex- is, so Aaron obviously only missed one game via not being vaccinated. Uh, being vaccinated does lessen the symptoms of COVID. So um, if he's vaccinated, I think they probably play a better offensive game because he's probably feeling better. <laughs> wow. Uh, yes, I, I think I think ultimately you look back on this and say very fortunate that the COVID thing did not cost them two games, yep. that it only cost them one. Because uh, this easily could have been uh, swallowed up. This could have easily been a Jordan Love start. It could have easily been, uh, you know, not a, a nearly perfect defensive performance. And uh, and they got away with it. And this is the more important game of the two. Yeah. So uh, and they got to feel really good about it. Also, the other one, we can all blame Mo Drayton, obviously. <laughs> True, also. 
We but, can. It, it, a different quarterback overcomes all of that, yes. I think. Well, plus he's, you know, you assume in the world where he doesn't get COVID, he's like completely, uh, you know, completely at, at full full strength too. It's full strength Aaron Rodgers. But, uh, full strength Aaron Rodgers beats Seattle by 30. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, and I mean, obviously we can't assume any of this. We can't assume that he wouldn't have gotten threw, the disease or whatever. Well, he threw a murder ball to Alan Lazard. Poor Alan that, Lazard. Like, I can't believe like so Lazard got hit by Shaquille Griffin who weighs like 140 pounds. So that's why he's okay. Yeah. If if it was if it was uh Jamal Adams in coverage, Lazard is on a stretcher. Yeah. He, he's dead. Like And that throw should have been um, a touchdown. Like he was yeah. he was open for a touchdown and Rodgers underthrew him by what 10 yards. I mean, it made him come yeah, back and to he, the ball. He had to come back to it. And, and, and the, then MVS bomb was the same thing. That should have been a touchdown too. Had he led him, it would have. And instead, he underthrew him, and it was a 41-yard gain, and it resulted in a missed field goal. And then there, there was a dropped pass. I think it was Lazard that was a like a also where it was like a I think it was a skinny post um, where Rogers like earholed a defender, and it was like an amazing throw, and it was just dropped. And that was um, I want to say it was still almost 20 yards, but like I just understand how you can be that pinpoint and then that awful in the same game. I do think he really needs his mechanics now. He used he used to be able to just whip the ball um, without setting his feet, you know, sixty yards in the air. And I think that's what's leaving him a little bit. He doesn't have to do the Roethlisberger thing where he puts his whole body into every throw to get it there. He's not there, but I do think he is at the point where um, you know if the if the core is not there underneath him, he he can't press it like he used to. He's uh, he actually does have to set his feet and throw with good mechanics to actually get some mustard on it. And that's not necessarily because of COVID. That's something you've talked about this all year is his deep ball isn't what it used to be. He's just not not that sharp with that right now. <laughs> Father time is undefeated. It is. Uh, you can make. There's a lot of excuses you can make for it. Like he, he hasn't played a ton with MVS. One of them has been hurt or have, has had COVID for a lot of games. So they haven't had a lot of time to develop chemistry. But um, his, you can't really ignore the, you know, MVS isn't the only guy who can catch deep balls. Other people are allowed to catch deep balls too. Um, and it just hasn't happened. And like Tanyan didn't catch a ton before he got hurt. Lazard has been a deep ball guy before he, tor- he torched the saints on a bunch of deep stuff last year. So, um, Rogers, if you look at his, his heat map from next gen stats, it's red, it's the bad numbers in the deep zone. And we see that and so at some point it's going to start to cost him. I mean, it almost did in this game, but if you can, um, if you can sort of dare him to beat you that way and take away underneath stuff, it's going to be hard for the Packers to move the ball very much. It feels like where it's going to cost them is in a playoff game when they fall mm-hmm. behind and they, they need a two-minute drill and they they just don't have the big the I quick mean, hit. They're not going to beat Tampa doing this. It's not going to happen. So it's it's a problem. they got to fix it. And also Aaron Jones, of course, he gets hurt and is going to miss a Unfortunately, just one to two weeks with an MCL injury that also looked very bad in the moment because he was you know reported he had tears in his eyes was talking to his family i mean it definitely was a was a was a dour scene but uh i i didn't think he was very good before you know he dropped a couple of screen passes not all of the not all of them were crisply delivered but um it didn't seem like he quite had it in this game and then fortunately you had aj dillon backing him up and kind of you know took over that made it the aj dillon game but uh but we'll see where he's at at Acme Packing Company, we have multiple people who have had multiple knee injuries. <laughs> and the general consensus was the ACL is the worst injury, but you can you just kind of go, oh, that feels weird. 
and then like can try and feel like you're going to walk it off. The MCL is the less serious of the injury, but it feels like you're getting stabbed with an ice pick. So his, his reaction might have just been like a pain thing. Like, cause that, that hurts like a, like a Sumna. Yeah. Yeah. That's possible. But AJ was awesome and we lose nothing um, to jump from the Jones to AJ thing. So that's good. At least who's the, um, the, the technically fourth running back, Patrick Patrick Taylor, Taylor. Patrick Taylor, who like apparently was like, would have uh, like a Kylan Hill story, like would have been a half decently drafted running back. But then I think he was injured his senior year. I think so. Um, I don't know. I have not followed Patrick yeah, so, Taylor's career that close. Well, <laughs> and that's the concern here. If AJ Dillon gets hurt now, now we're talking about people that we don't even know the background. That of. is true. That's where we're at. Uh, they they actually brought in Kerry and Johnson for. Uh... Yeah, I saw that. So <laughs> there you and go. Le'Veon Bell got released today. So if he they're did. looking for a name, they've got names. Le'Veon Bell would lose a foot race <laughs> to Ladarius Gunter. That's so that dude is that dude you, is cashed. Who do you like better for um, wayward son jokes, Carry On or Le'Veon? Oh, Carry On for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's on the nose, but both it have been on the nose. It's, it's on the nose. Both have been Paul's fantasy looking, football names before. So Paul's looking for his for his subtlety in his football. Put points. it this way: Carry On Johnson has a better chance of being on someone's fantasy team in the near future. Le'Veon Bell, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. That is true. So, so uh, fun AJ Dillon stat. Um, because of his fifty-yard, just brilliant reception in this game, he he actually now leads all running backs in yards per reception. Uh, he he passed Cordero Patterson to get that spot, <laughs> which is I mean, which is incredible because that's what Cordero Patterson is there for. Um, and uh, he kind of made the passing offense go in addition to making the running offense go. So. Uh, it's good to see him catching passes. It, it's something he didn't do in college, and there's a question as to how effective he could be. But like when he catches the ball, he like automatically gets ten yards because he just will plow a guy over for five yards no matter what. And it's kind of a beautiful thing to see. I'd kind of like to see how much they could do it in a game before people started stopping them. I mean, he liquefied Bobby Wagner. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh my god! It was like the the Bo Jackson Brian Bosworth hit like. Wagner was square and in the hole, and then he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that is how yeah, you that gotta, works. You, yeah, you got to make a business decision with those quads coming at you. I think uh, <laughs> it, it, so. Uh, Braylon Allen, the Wisconsin running back, after the Northwestern game on Saturday, had a great quote about how he didn't feel like Northwestern was super interested in tackling them. Him, and you look at the tape, <laughs> and it's kind of true. Yep, yep. Like Northwestern was, you know, Badgers blew out Northwestern. I, Seattle wasn't that bad, but I definitely got it definitely felt to me watching that game where on that Seattle was just, they were just worn out, man. I mean, that's, it's obviously what you want if you're, if you're relying on a running back like AJ Dillon, but it did, it, it did not feel like they had any, anything resembling the pop that defense normally has. Yeah. Agree with that. And uh, it, you can see why, like, I, I do think AJ Dillon is a bit of a, a unicorn like Derrick Henry is because you usually don't see defenders, um, you know, making business decisions like that, looking like they're actually getting hurt. Now, it, for the most part, NFL running backs are smaller than the people trying to tackle them. You know, they run through 300 pounders to get to 260 pounders. And Dylan's just one of those guys where um, it, it's probably unusual if you are a smaller linebacker to have a bigger guy just running full speed into you. It's got to be a little jarring for a lot of people. <laughs> um, it, uh, it's it's, it's kind of fun. It's probably a lot jarring. I'm, in, I'm enjoying <laughs> it. Yeah, no kidding. 
<laughs> so AJ AJ said that um, he believes that he um, was born to be an offensive lineman, but he didn't get tall enough. Um, he says that he's an offensive lineman from the waist down. He, <laughs> like, like he has he has yeah, an O line with legs. He wears a size fifteen shoe, but he just he needs to grow another six seven inches. He's so unusually shaped. I, you know what? I love unusually shaped guys too. They 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 always stick out. Like Barry Sanders was kind of like that too. Actually, just on a smaller scale. And even he's thick. The very he's thick. thick. <laughs> even Brett Favre is an unusually shaped guy. Uh, his shoulders are much wider than they should be. He is uh, he's a broad, broad guy, and he sticks out amongst other quarterbacks. Like standing next to Aaron, he's like one point five Aaron's wide. Um, what did you What did you think of Dewan Harris? Uh, Dewan Harris was shaped like AJ Dillon, but squished. I do not remember what Dewan Harris looked like. So Dewan Harris was like I five foot eight, existing. and like, and he was like two hundred and something pounds, and it was like all quad, like he was just like, like, like two, like two hams, and that was it. Yep. <laughs> you had a note in here going back to Lazard real quickly. Yes, there was some passes that Aaron Rodgers did not throw well to him, but they they also go in the book as drops. He had two pretty big drops. Even though, uh, even though the throws weren't perfect, you you think maybe the blocking has made it a little more complicated for him to to get into a get into a route? Just because his hands have been bad, um, he he is normally super efficient. Uh, his last several years, he has had a very good catch rate, and he's been doing thirteen plus yards per reception. And this year, his catch rate's down, and his yards per reception are down, and he definitely has dropped a bunch of balls that he shouldn't have dropped. So um, he has been called on to block more, and I do wonder. I, I actually I've noticed him sticking with his blocks too long sometimes you know one of the things tight ends do that they're good at is block for a bit and then know when to release out into the pattern and Mm. Lazard just kind of stays with his guy and mauls him and sits on him and uh, if the ball is not going to him like if it's a a play that's been called for like Adams you'll often see Lazard like pancaking a guy and then just kind of watching Devontae catch it and run and uh, so I do think sometimes he gets disengaged from the play and especially if the play breaks down um, he gets surprised by the ball once in a while. Uh, so I would like to see him a little more on the ball, um, at least on, on uh, you know, broken plays. See, that's the thing about like MVS, right? Like, so if they're, if they're running a, like a stretch play away from him or if it's like an RPO and he's the alert, this dude will run a fake go route like the devil is chasing him. Mm-hmm. Like there's, he's going to run 40 yards for no damn reason other than to pull people's attention away. Mm-hmm. And he, he does it like, his life depends on it. Yeah, Lazard, he—I think he just likes hitting people. I think he likes hitting people, and and once he's done hitting people, he's kind of done. So, he's a tight end. He is. And he actually should work with the tight ends and get that timing down of block, 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 block. Okay, time to go catch. Yeah. Oh man, in line, in line, Lazard on delayed fades. I think that would actually be a lot of fun. It would. You should do it. Uh, so we made fun of Russell Wilson a bit, and Aaron Rodgers, we know, wasn't wasn't on target. But that the interception he threw that was worse than anything Jordan Love threw. Yeah. By the way, in the Tecmo Bowl, sin Jamal Adams Jamal Adams picked off Jordan Love, and I was like, well, that's stupid. Jamal Adams never <laughs> never picks off anybody, and then it then it freaking happened. So also, can we talk about how all five foot six of Jamal Adams boxed out Josiah Deguara? <laughs> not not oh, the best look for Josiah Deguara. There. Deguara's having a rough go, guys. Yeah, Deguara, Deguara's not happening right now. I am I am pretty sure Aaron Rodgers has a contract incentive to make Josiah cry on the field. That's <laughs> there's they want him so hard to be Tanyan without Tanyan there, and he just isn't that guy. And whatever. <laughs> 
it's like it's like walk hard to the dad he's like like no you gotta stop before you say something you regret what like the wrong kid died (laughs) (laughs) yeah they uh they're struggling with that one but uh but but yeah the aaron Rodgers, the floater has anybody who's done the belt celebration an opponent has it worked out for any of them i know there's like i'm I'm pretty sure they want they lost at least one like I like I my sister asked me about this afterwards and I went back and looked and I remember the person who mocked the belt didn't necessarily have a good or bad game memorably, but I think the Packers lost. I think it might have been Buccaneers. Tampa. Maybe? Yeah, I think maybe during the regular season, we might have had a Devin Bush or a uh, Levante David or somebody doing yes. it. Yeah, I think that's right. So, right. yeah, but in most cases, those who mock the belt live to regret it. Mm hmm. True. Who was it? The guy on the Lions like tore his ACL. Yeah. One of oh, the yeah. inside linebackers. I forget who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Tore his ACL while mocking the belt, like in the process of doing it. Yep. He went, oh. <laughs> that is so Lions. Oh, man. The Lions have had so many moments like that. Some casual shade from Aaron Rodgers today on the Pat McAfee show where he's talking about, you know, he's showing he, he is he he to his credit has not taken a bait on this before where he's been like, yeah, it offends me or whatever. He's like, whatever, they're making good plays. You know, it's not a big deal. He's like, well, but Jamal Adams, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe kind of wait until you actually make a good play and not just take a, take a ball out of the air that I floated right to you. Like he said, <laughs> it, I'm paraphrasing, but he, yeah. he basically indicated like, mm, that wasn't really all that great of a play. That was just, you were standing where my terrible throw went. Yeah, It was a ha special. It was. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, uh, anything, any last thoughts before we move on to the Vikings game? Just the defense keeps steadily going up and up and up and up and up. And, uh, last thing before we go into the Vikings game, cause we'll talk about their DVOA a little bit. The Packers are a little lower than you probably think they should be in DVOA. And that's primarily because that Saints game is just haunting them and continues to haunt them. But also the Jordan Love game is in there on the offense. Um, and so all, all worth keeping in mind on their offensive ranking that it does include that, uh, that stinker. And uh, while while this game here wasn't great, they they have on the whole with Aaron been a very very good offensive team. So yeah, where we're seeing the Packers now, the Packers are showing up at the top of power rankings in a few places. I know USA Today has them, ESPN has them at the top. I think the the defense has caught people's attention. People are impressed. They are they are a Super Bowl team right now. Like they, I know a lot of people who follow them closely probably feel like they haven't seen a complete performance yet, and I think that's fair. But they're they're the best of what's around, at least in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> so right now, Aaron Rodgers has 11.27 NEA when you take out his throwaways and and whatnot. So like, like uh, Justice Muscata loves to look at real passes. So like like things that aren't aren't uh, throwaways, that RPOs, aren't throwaways, um, and other designed easy throws. Screens. So if you, if you if you take all that crap out, Aaron Rodgers has 11.27 NEA, which is second in the league behind Matthew Stafford. Um, if you take away week one, he has 13.9 NEA. And Enya. Enya, yes. As you should say it. <laughs> sail away, sail away, sail away. So the Vikings. So, number one of the bullet. You said the DVOA thing. Vikings are ninth. And, and you've been talking about them now for a couple of weeks as a team that concerns you, even though they lost to Cooper Rush. <laughs> and even though they do not seem impressive on paper. They don't. They don't. They, but, they are executing very well under a bad scheme. They are. That's exactly correct. So those teams do scare you because if you get into a, the, a wrong situation where the scheme doesn't really matter that much, they can jump up and bite you. That happened last year. But like, 
this is a very typical Mike Z Zimmer Vikings team where Kirk Cousins is being very efficient and they just piss themselves like every other game with missed kicks and punting in the wrong situations, not going for a fourth down in the right situation, like missed field goals all over the place. They, they have three overtime games this year already, uh, and they're one and two in them, which is, you know, a little bit of bad luck. I mean, you've you got to be either two and one or one and two or three and oh, but uh, they uh, they played a ton of close games against a pretty good schedule. Uh, but, you know, when it all, I, I'm not scared of them that much because they do have this way of just imploding and I feel like the Packer defense is a good defense that kind of helps you implode on yourself too by making you run a lot of plays. So um, not that worried, but they're they're much better than their record indicates that they are, and they have the highest playoff odds of all of the the teams with losing records right now. Um, so don't take them lightly. They're not as bad as they seem. They just put one on the Chargers, who are a good team. And they certainly get the Packers at a time when you know they haven't had a bye yet. They're they're dragging. They've just had to try to piece things together with all these guys out, with Aaron Rodgers out. You know, this is this is a road game. Like there's I don't know. I could see this I could see this definitely going the Vikings way this week. Maybe I'm pessimistic. Wouldn't surprise know. me. I mean they they usually it's, don't it's also, the Vikings. It's also an eleven o'clock game, which is traditionally when Cousins plays best. Yeah, hmm, not not I prime time. That. Kirk mm -hmm. Kirk is not good at night. He's uh he's a reverse vampire. When nobody's no, watching. it's because it's because that's when he's supposed to return to the pod and recharge. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with Delvin Cook though? He's had a rough year, right? They're he's all, hurt he's, all the time. He's hurt all the time. So that that is it. Delvin Cook is playing hurt, and it is hurt the Vikings that he is playing hurt. They should actually shut him down for a while and get him right. Um, although it would help if Alexander Madison wasn't terrible because he is apparently terrible. What but, happened there? He wasn't terrible last year, was he? He Madison? was okay last year, but he was definitely worse than Cook. And I think that their offensive line has gotten a little worse from last year, too. Which Cook is pretty good, even with a bad line, to his credit. Uh, he actually does matter more than most running backs for that reason. And Madison doesn't. He can find his holes behind a, a decent offensive line, and this is just not that. So they actually do suffer when Cook is out, which is has forced them to keep him in. But he's just not efficient. DVOA is like 26th. Um, and the more carries he gets, the better it is for a Green Bay. So what, like always, the path the path where the Vikings win this game is it just they they show up and they play a normal game and the and the Packers aren't good enough or like what is it is it a little more nuanced than that? I think for the Vikings to win, they have to get ahead because um, they're going to play like they're ahead no matter what because uh, that's what Zimmer does and uh, their offensive coordinator. By the way, we should we should mention this. We mentioned in our we don't like Joe Barry episode. It's actually Clint Kubiak. The son, <laughs> the son of Gary Kubiak, who was the offensive coordinator before him. The word nepotism just flashed through my head to the tune of Muppet Babies for some reason. Nepotism! I have no idea why. No idea where that came from. That is no connection yeah. to anything. It's just, wow. Well, wow. Well, Clint, Clint Kubiak is a obviously younger person than Gary Kubiak for obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, he does still run a very similar offense, and it is still a little bit antiquated. They have done... Uh, a little more play action than last year, but not as much as you should be doing. And they still run the ball too much because that's what Zimmer wants. Zimmer wants to play defense, and their defense is pretty good, uh, and, and run the ball and control the game. And the Vikings do that in neutral situations an, an unhealthy amount. So if you get ahead of them, they play themselves out of the game. They, they, they run it too much. They waste time. They limit possessions. If you get behind them, though, 
um, then Zimmer's strategy slowly becomes correct over time. So you can't have flukes where like you get pick six or Kirk hits a big one that you weren't ready for and they get a, a, a lead on you or a two-score lead on you even worse. So that's how you lose to them is you get behind and uh, then then it plays to their strengths. But uh, stay ahead and you're fine. I also wonder without having Aaron Jones for an entire game, how that affects how that affects things. I know Seattle was really emphasizing making things difficult on the running game. Uh, I think they had some success there, but uh, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, cause they're going to have to, they're going to have to give carries to Patrick Taylor, you know, and, or, or someone, someone else is going <laughs> to have to get in there. And, and you, it's hard to imagine right now that they're going to have the same level of success that they've had, but I, I don't know. I could be, I could be wrong. It's not like the blocking is going to be any different. So, uh, and, and we still don't know about David Bakhtiari. Like, I get the feeling maybe not again. I, I don't know. I've got no sense of that, of course, but just, I don't, they, they, they're obviously taking every ounce of time they have and it's, they're eight and two. So they've got really nothing to, to, to feel bad about, but um, I'm just curious to know what it's going to be like when he gets back and how quickly things gel on the line. Once he gets there back at left tackle. Yeah. It would be nice to have him for this one in particular, just so they could lean on the run a little bit more. And uh, not have to expend so much of people getting hit in the middle of that thing. But uh, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be back yet. I kind of think, I think we'll know early when he's going to be back. I think it'll be like, okay, here's David's week to have full practice and things like that. Um, But you're, I mean, Patrick Taylor's going to have to take some carries, especially if they get ahead. They can't run AJ 30 times in this game. That would be stupid. Um, And we'll see how that goes because that's the unproven part of the lineup. So, um, uh, hopefully, hopefully it's they just blow them out and can run. Um, their guy that they signed today, um, or or Patrick Taylor, like fifteen times just to run clock. That'd be nice, but never works out that way. Right. All right, let's move to questions, yeah, shall questions. we? Yes, let's. We'll start with Patreon. Those, of course, who are patrons have question priority. So we'll start start with my, uh, Mark Pudscarby. I always need to like take a second before I before I pronounce that name. Uh, in his four, first four drafts, Gutekunst has drafted Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Jordan Love, and Eric Stokes in the first round. We obviously don't know how Love will turn out yet, but it seems he nailed the other four picks. Has there been a better GM at drafting since Goody took over the position? Hmm. Huh. Uh, so, unfortunately, I can give you a couple names. <laughs> Charity uh, <laughs> uh, I did do research, and you know what? I... Um, I need to look up, make sure I get the actual name of the GM because these things escape me. So Kevin Colbert from the Steelers, unfortunately, uh, that starts back in 2017 when they took JJ T or uh, TJ Watt rather. Yeah. Oh, no. You might recall that as a Packers uh-huh. fan. I mean, that draft is nuts for them because they also get Juju Smith Schuster and James Connor all in the same draft. So like they're already a leg up. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the Packers did Home run. in 2017. Now that is, um, that is before Gutekunst, right? Like that's, uh, the, the, Ted yeah, Thompson. that's the, ke- that's yeah, that's Ted Thompson's last draft. So I'm I'm cheating a little bit. Um, and T- Terrell Edmonds, who they took with the in the, their first pick, the year after that, safety. He's not like a Pro Bowl or anything, but he's solid. Devin Bush is pretty solid yeah. if he's healthy. He's right. And then they didn't have a first rounder uh, last year, but they took Chase Claypool with the first pick of the, their first pick uh, of the draft, in the second round, and then Najee Harris in the first round this year. So that's a pretty good run. I might put the Packers ahead of them. I think but, I might uh, too. Then Tampa, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> so I won't I won't go back to 2017 with them, but 2018, that's Vita Via and yep. Carlton Davis. Yep. That was, I was looking that up because I knew that they had uh, Davis and Vita in that draft. Then the next year, you get Devin White and Sean Murphy bunting. Your <sighs> mileage may vary on the latter guy, but still not pretty former. good. Sean Murphy yep. bunting is good. 
And then we've got the Tristan Wirfs draft yeah. and Antoine Winfield, if you want to throw him in as well. And then this year, Joe Tryon, I mean, jur- jury's out on him, but like defensive lineman, he's got, I think, like three sacks or whatever. He's not nothing. So uh, I-, I probably would take Tampa over, over Green Bay. I would. That's that's excellent work. I'm with you on that. So, yes, the answer is that there have been some better, but that's good. It's very good. That's Jason Licht, by the way. I didn't say Jason the actual Licht. name of the GM, but yeah. yeah. It's a tough name. It's a tough mm-hmm. name, but it's but a good draft. A good draft, and, and Ali Marpet came in came through there recently. I don't I don't know which draft he is, but uh, that was a small school guy, like really small school guy who who turned out to be pretty solid for them. Yep. Chris Godwin is Chris Godwin. I'm pretty sure is 2017, so that might be apples to oranges if we're going back that far. But uh, yeah, not bad, not bad at all. All right, so sorry, I don't think uh, Goody is the best, and, and I didn't look at everybody or anything, but I don't know. Yeah, but like that's that's the like if has is anyone better? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And and then they won the Super Bowl, so tough. It's tough. All right, PJ Vessels are the Vikings good? Close loss to Cardinals, but a close win over the Lions. Lost to Dakless Cowboys, <laughs> beat the Chargers. I mean, he's got a point. They are up and down, and we just talked about it. One and two in overtime games. Not not as bad as they look on yeah. you know Matt, on the first sheet of paper. Matt nailed this one. They're they're a good team on a bad scheme, and this is this is what a bad team or a good team on a bad scheme looks like. Um, they they have these kinds of uh, they, they they scrape by bad teams sometimes. They blow out or get by good teams sometimes, and they have baffling losses uh, making up the difference. So it reminds me of the Cowboys pre McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, that's the, a good the last year of Jason Garrett. Like that was a phenomenal team that underachieved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, just like that. So they're not good or bad. They're they're just a, a massive improbability that can go either way. <laughs> that's I like to think about the the Vikings as this mathematical anomaly that's just like a cloud <laughs> of awful. Yep. <laughs> He's got to stay out All of the right. stay out of that bad part there, and you'll be fine. Jay Google asks when Dback comes back. Who do you think gets removed from the line? Also, when should we expect Zadarius Smith back? To the first part, I would have said. It's Rice Newman. I mean, it's still it's that, Newman. right? Like it's, 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 it's still an easy answer. Yes, yeah? it is. I mean, I like. I know Lucas Patrick has come under a little bit of fire. Sometimes, occasionally, he's 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 also miss. bad, but he's not as bad as Rice Newman is. Yeah, I I just I don't I don't think uh, I don't, I, don't, I think if it looks like a duck at this case, it's a duck. Yeah. Um, Zadarius Smith. I, I mean, I I don't I don't personally plan on any of these guys coming back before the bye, certainly. And then you got four games after that. I'm not convinced that Darius Smith is still alive. Yeah, I know. He'll just pop up once in a while. Like he had, didn't he pay for some somebody's water pump today? Yeah. yeah. So he's alive. Yeah, he was at a. Yeah, he was at a. But is he though? <laughs> you don't see him in those pictures. Someone just had his phone and took a picture of a lady. He tweeted shortly after I believe the Arizona game that he felt really good and and got everybody's hopes up that maybe he was coming back sooner than everyone anticipated. But mm-hmm. the company line on him has not shifted. Nope. Uh, it's very much like, well, we'll see. You know. Also, and- have we seen his captain's chain? Has anyone seen the captain's chain? <laughs> I what what is that? What are we after about? after it came out that he was not, not a captain in as a team captain he was very upset so he went and commissioned a chain with a very large captain c medallion yes he did i did not see that social media. i did not yeah. see that he is active on social media and i am sure it's out there if we wanted to find it but uh <laughs> yeah, top I, 10 times jr missed something on social media hey you're right every every now and then something something slides below my radar but i did see that he paid for a, a woman's water pump on, on her car today um <laughs> 
the, the the downside of this to me is like they're, they're the game against the Rams is going to be really important. And the, the, the 49ers did the Packers a huge favor Monday night by, <laughs> by demolishing the Rams. Such a hilarious I mean, I, game. That was, I, I, I don't know if the Rams are good anymore. I'm, I'm very confused, but I'm pretty sure they're still good. They're still good. So that game before the bye is going to be so important. And I just don't, they're just not going to be at full strength yet. So <laughs> not quite. The Rams are good. However, there's now it's, there's a blueprint. Yeah. The, the Rams can't handle smash mouth. Yep. And as as good as their pass rushers are, none of them can stop the run. And then after the bye, you've got a, I mean, you got the Ravens, but then also all the NFC North teams again. And two of the three are probably wins no matter who's playing yep. at this point. So I don't know how you're going to want to if you can get those guys back, obviously, before the playoffs, I'm sure they'll they'll do that. But like, yeah, you need them for that Rams game. That's the game that really at this <laughs> point, if, if you're talking one seed, that's the one that matters. All right. Fair. JD, uh, oh, it's a Deguara question. Why are yeah. they not using Deguara as a fullback, lead blocker type, pass catcher out of the backfield, like Kyle Ustrick? Seems like when they drafted <laughs> him, he was going to be used in line as a tight end, of course, but also as a fullback and use the way the 49ers use Uzcheck. I should just just read ahead. But so far, it seems to be much more as a traditional tight end. Danny Vitale seemed to be better used in 2019 in the H-back fullback role. Uh, he's not wrong, but I think it's what well, you guys just said. They, they're I'm- trying to replace Tanyan. Yeah. Also, I believe the H-back role is a little bit more complicated and Josiah DeGuaro's brain is tapioca. Yep. So <laughs> there, there's some there other reasons too. And they do actually use their, their halfbacks um, in that passing game role frequently. So, you know, the fullback is not that useful. As a JR, are you okay? JR is breaking down. Something struck me about you just casually throwing in tapioca. <laughs> <laughs> Of all the things to call something, your brain yeah. is tapioca. I don't know where that came from. That got me, caught me funny. Just caught it me is funny. chunky liquid that is falling out of his ears. Also, I get it. I know what tapioca brain. is. I just have never, just, random, that's all. Also, on a lot of Packer snaps, a fullback doesn't fit. Um, there's there's lots of shotgun draw, RPO stuff. Um, even on on play action, like it would just get in the way. It's a they need those other guys out there like on the end of the line and as receivers and uh it he's not good enough to warrant it like Kyle Juszczyk is actually good that that helps and Josiah Deguara <laughs> sucks so like you can you can get Kyle's by the way still like number one in receiving DVOA like he always is and if you have that out of your fullback then that's great then you put him out there and you smash mouth run with him and you hit him for first downs Josiah Deguara is terrible like you keep there's no reason to have a terrible fullback on the field to screw up your offense so they're, they're trying him at a useful position, and he sucks at that, too. That's why. Which also, on the subject of Danny Vitale, he has gotten into the Instagram influencer game now that he's no longer in the NFL. He's uh, selling his, his nutrition and workout plan ebook. All right. Great. <laughs> Got to make a living. Yep. Got to do it. All right, MKE Tailgate. This is a familiar one. Hi, this is Ryan. First time, long time. <laughs> If Ryan were on this podcast, he would love our conversation about Patrick Taylor. He loves the next wave very much. He loves does. Loves the minor leagues. Loves prospects. Uh, well, we look back on this game like we look back on that ugly 9-0 Jets win in 2010 as the moment we knew the defense had arrived. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> I love how many uh, like stereotypes he got into. Good, er, good job, Ryan. Um, oh, a lot, a lot of good. I, don't, I don't think so because... Um, because Russell was clearly not all there. Like they, they were great. They got a shutout. Shutouts happen three times a decade for the Packers. Um, so maybe, but there's a lot of caveats around this game too. Uh, maybe this three stretch, this three game stretch of Mahomes, Wilson, 
Um, who do we play before that? Who's good? Um, help me out. Okay, Kyler. Ky- Kyler Murray. <laughs> Kyler thank Murray. you. Thank you. Kyler Murray. Like that's a good run. That's that's a defense's for real run. I think we maybe look back at that. Um, but uh, I think this game just has too many uh, Russell working out nineteen hours a day caveats to to really be. They were great. Yeah, man. Tell you what, they beat the brakes off the Rams. We'll we'll say yep. the defense arrived totally. Yeah, and that Jets game happened a, right around right around the same time of the year, maybe a little earlier. Uh, but uh, the defense, what made the defense so impressive and, and parallels galore here uh, in 2010, their defense was just like decimated by injuries. They lost guys left and right. And then Randos filled in and did an exceptional job. I mean, who could forget Howard Green, Howard Green lineman, run stopping extraordinaire. Of- Right. He's kind of the prototype of the guy. They, you know, Rizzle Douglas is obviously a completely different position, but same concept. You sign a guy off of, you know, out of out of thin air and he winds up being a key contributor. And, uh, you know, Howard Green all the way up to the Super Bowl was making key plays. So uh, that's 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 where it's similar here. They've just they've plugged holes and that's a credit to the coordinator. I got to say uh, <clears throat> Flaley Joel Osment. That's a hell of a name. New patron, Flaley uh, Joel Osment. Welcome. Flaley Joel um, sees dead people. In hindsight, how significant was the loss of Myers? Lucas Patrick seems serviceable, but also good for at least one completely with block per game. <laughs> was the, the questionably recovered snap at Seattle game on him or Rodgers? I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. the. I guess I don't either. I think it was on him, but I'm not actually so the, sure. <laughs> but the downgrade's real, for sure. It yeah, it's, it's massive. So... The downgrade from Corey Lindsley to Myers was a lot less than we all expected it to be, which is a credit to Myers. Um, I mean, when you have an all-world center leaving with with that kind of history, and, and then you have someone who can step in. And remember the like beginning of the year before he got hurt, we kept saying that the best thing we can say about Myers is we're not hearing his name, and that's like the yeah. best thing you can say about a, a rookie corner or a rookie center. Um, and yeah, the loss of Myers is huge. And getting Bach back and being able to go uh, Bach, Jenkins, Myers, uh, maybe I guess Lucas Patrick could play right guard, and then Billy Turner, that's a that's a phenomenal line. Lucas Patrick is, is okay. I mean, I, I personally, I think that uh, I like John Runyon a little bit more because yep. he's, he's a tackle with T-Rex arms, and I, and I like that as a guard. Um. But yeah, it's it's huge. Like it's, I don't want to say that it's like game breaking, but like it's you have to plan around the loss of Myers. Yeah, we haven't heard a lot about when he he might be back. Obviously, well, his, his I, who is the coach who let it slip that he had surgery? Uh, I don't know, but that doesn't necessarily preclude him from coming back. Is my understanding? Well, yeah, they, but well, they they asked him if he was coming back. He's like, oh yeah, he had surgery last week, and everyone's like, shh, shh, shut up! Like, <laughs> you're not supposed to say that. The weird, it's weird to me because watching the NBA and college football and how secretive they are about injuries right now, for example, the Milwaukee Bucks have Brooke Lopez, who's had mysterious back ailments here for like 14 games. Yep. And and there's no information, no timetable, no nothing. The NFL gives you a lot of information, but then it's secretive about things like that, about the surgery or like, it's not like people are asking where specifically on the body would I have to hit for this person to feel pain again? <laughs> but it's, it's weird to me what's kept secret and what's what's not. And, you know, what's leaks out and what doesn't. It's all it's very. I'm a big fan of uh, Bill Belichick is the reason that we no longer have probable. Yeah, Uh, yeah, because everybody was probable all the time. Yeah. So he he, because the the rule said probable means there is a greater than 50 percent chance that they will play. Wasn't it 75? And he's 
I, it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Questionable's 50-50. Yeah, so, so, it was pro- so, yeah, so he listed his entire roster as probable. <laughs> yeah, he's right. All right, going to Twitter questions. Jonathan Deal asks, is the return of Bakhtiari really going to be the shot in the arm that fixes the offense, especially when it looks like philosophies change from dri- drive to drive and we're barely 50% in the red zone? Uh, I, I do think there could be a learning curve. Not learning curve is the wrong terminology, but like I, I don't think it's going to run like a well-oiled machine the second he comes back. It takes a while to get lines to gel. That's true. But I actually do think it'll help quite a bit, especially in the red zone, because um, the run blocking has really been impacted by Bakhtiari being gone and Jenkins not being inside um, a ton. And that when you're trying to punch it into the end zone, that matters quite a bit. So I think that that will make quite a big difference. I'm not sure it fixes the passing game because, um, well, Aaron's had a couple games where he's had pressure from the middle, screw him up. Most of the time he's had pretty good protection, Royce Newman notwithstanding. And <laughs> his problems with deep passing are not not because the line is breaking down. There's other things at work there. So I do think it helps. I think it helps the red zone conversion rates. I'm not sure it, it's a, a cure-all. Aaron will have to get better um, on some of the things he does for that to happen. All right. Quentin Wetzel asks, there seems to have been more straight drops from under center this year, even more, even against teams without a great pass rush like Seattle. What's with that? So we should read this one and the next one together. Okay. Mattingly Sideburn says, why do you suppose Green Bay has gone away from the under center offense that was so effective in 2020? Do they not trust the O-line? Is it to keep Rodgers happy? (laughs) I mean, they don't trust the rush up the middle, right? We've already said this. Yeah. I just like that they're kind of kind of the opposite questions and uh, antithesis antitheses oh um, yes yes but uh i i do think I, that you know i'm gonna go with mattingly sideburns because that's a phenomenal at and it's a great <laughs> reference is is we, that the best simpsons episode ever uh it's yeah i mean top five for sure we're gonna get a simpsons reference going forward on each episode now that's the new andy Schaff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do think the interior has a lot to do with it. Aaron's freedom to do what he wants to do also has a lot to do with it. Um, it you know, they're under center a lot because they do theoretically want to have a run pass option a lot of the time and also be able to run play action a lot of the time. Um, but if it, Aaron also also has free range to audible to a straight drop back pass if he wants to or to kind of do whatever the hell he wants. And so it, that gets discombobulated sometimes. Like sometimes... Uh, LaFleur will call a play that is definitely intended to be a run and Aaron will see something that he thinks he can exploit in the passing game and it turns into a straight drop back. Um, So a lot of this is, I think, compromised between the two of them because they definitely have different philosophies offensively and LaFleur definitely tries to run things that are in Aaron's wheelhouse or that Aaron will at least run the way he kind of wants him to. And whenever you see things kind of get out of sorts under center i think that's what has occurred and aaron has decided to take over and he doesn't like what's going on and he's going to take a few deep shots god damn it um because it, <laughs> it's been a while um so that's what you got going on there so that's it for questions but i have one more thing we have not talked much about special teams here that's true uh on this episode they did have a kick block <laughs> again <laughs> as is tradition uh but they also it, it, it might it's possible amari rogers turned a teeny tiny corner got a little uh, better on returns no. no i don't think so no. i'm uh, trying to be as charitable as i can here guys I'm, I'm, amari rogers takes more than a second between catching the ball and assessing and what direction he's going to run yeah but that direction is left it is like left. he will run left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, uh, he always runs left <laughs> 
Guys, he he his first punt return in that game. Uh, I watched all the punt returns again. He had a giant hole up the middle. He could have picked up 10 yards easy, maybe more, and he just started sprinting left. And uh, I just, like, threw my head back, like, God damn it, what are you doing? It is, it's, do you remember the death rattle of James Starks when every single play was like, I'm going to bounce, bounce this one outside. outside. <laughs> yep. Well, and, and Rodgers made a running catch on a punt, right? Was that in this game? I'm getting yes, this. Yes, he, he made a running catch when he should have fair caught it yeah, and then yeah. immediately ran into a defender. Sure like, it was an amazing catch. I'm not going to take anything away from the feat of athleticism that was <laughs> that play, but it was tapioca brain. <laughs> what are they doing with Amari Rodgers? What are they doing? It's not <laughs> happening, guys. Stop trying to make catch happen. I'm, exactly. sure I'm pretty sure this is Randall Cobb nepotism. <laughs> yeah, maybe it, maybe is. it is oh you goodness. know what though instead of hiring the nepotism hire just hire the main guy and let randall cobb oh return my goodness is the, the punts is the upgrade from randall cobb chemistry wise oh. worth the downgrade to amari rogers being here all day? <laughs> so sad oh. it's so sad uh, so i i'm going to continue to say this tyler irvin is sitting at home watching these games going catching punts is hard like, <laughs> he is. he's literally tweeting catching punts is hard like please you know what though please. seattle has they have swain to do, do kicks he wasn't returning anything in this game. He fair caught one near the 50 where he had tons of running room. And I, I think he recognized the mistake right away. But like he, he was not effective. He did nothing. The Packers true, are kind true. of fortunate that Seattle didn't do. Well, much that's because um, was it Yadam was was back at Gunner? Who was someone was back at Gunner? Yadam was back at Gunner. And yes. Also, I think the weather had a little bit of an impact on the punt returning, too. There was at least mm. some some scattered flurries that made things a little tricky mm -hmm. on the high balls. That also, Bojo is a monster. Yeah, still booting the heck out of it. Just <laughs> is holding. Hopefully, is getting better. Who knows? That that field goal was weird too. It it took a very drastic turn. I feel like it. I feel like it might have been more it, of a fluke than some of the other ones. It was a golf slice. Yeah, it went straight and then it just veered. Yeah, it definitely looked like something I could do with a golf club. Yep. But uh, all right, well, we'll see. The special teams remain a very much a uh, work in progress. But uh, the Vikings uh, climate controlled environment, maybe that'll be a little bit a little bit better off uh, here in this next week. Should be. Yeah, you know, theoretically, kicker kickers have a lot of success in Minnesota. Let me tell you, <laughs> makes it even worse, honestly. Just the ones wearing purple, baby. Yep. It's fine. Uh, it's there's, fine. I hate Vikings games, though. Just hate them. Uh, their their fans are much harder to deal with than Bears fans are. It's uh, it's annoying. All yeah, right. tell you what. So, my my tweet this morning because apparently I, I figured it out. I was one of the first people to tweet that I had successfully purchased stock. You were. You got in early. That's true. And it and it hit the trending topic, and so it got a lot more traffic than usual. Oh, that's what happened. Um, okay. There is one type of opposing fan in my mentions, and it is Vikings fans. Oh. <laughs> uh, I have I have no Lions fans, no Bears fans talking crap. It's all Vikings fans, and it's just like. Checks I don't out. care about you at all. Yeah. I don't think about you. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's let's go. JR, anything good yeah. this week? Well, uh, good is is relative to a <laughs> relative term, but put together a, a a rundown of the times that Marquette has beaten a top 10 basketball team. They did so on Monday night yeah, over Illinois. Did. Shaka Smart getting Yeah, first big win. Our buddy Ruby Q is very excited. Dan Walsh, shout out to you guys. Our buddy Andy Chef, definitely. less so. Andy Chef uh, won the Badgers late a egg against Providence, not as much. But uh, 
Um, so yeah, put together a little look back there. Also, like I mentioned earlier, look back at the shutouts that the Packers have spun uh, in recent history. That uh, that included uh, actually went all the way back to the to the eighties or late seventies. So uh, there's there's some cool cool tidbits in there. Some some great weather games in there, and uh, kind of look at. Speaking of Wisconsin, some some of the best wins in Bo Ryan's history. The team brought him back. The the school brought him back late last week for a kind of a presentation during the Badgers game against UWGB, which is coached by his son Will Ryan. So uh, that was a cool thing. So kind of a, another another deep dive history. These are, this is just what I do at the Journal Sentinel. So uh, you can find all that stuff at jsonline.com, jsonline.com/deal if you want to get in on pretty pretty good deals for the next six months. I think it's a buck for six months to. Uh, to get full digital access to JS online. We got lots of cool stuff for you. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I got. Sounds good. Matt, how about you? Uh, like I said, I was interviewed by uh, TMJ Ford <laughs> about being a Packers owner. Yeah, you were. And when they asked me, what would your first thing you do as an owner with, with power? I did not say fire Mo Drayton. Um, I, I said, uh, get Tyler Irvin and then potentially trade for Jamal Williams because we have a decimated, running back room and he would be a very big boon. good point i like it except when aaron jones comes back they have the exact same problem they had last year when they decided to let him go also true but a temporary fix is still a fix yeah mm-hmm. and, the, and the also lions I mean, that, care. yeah i was like that lions team isn't gonna like no. like they're, they're gonna be the first team to not have any wins in the 17 in the 17 game season era yep but they're also still going to lose sixteen. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you can just call the lines up and be like, "Hey, hey, buddy, I, I know you're having a bad time right now, but we can we can we can throw you a sixth rounder for for Jamal if you let it happen. I mean, I will at give some you point, a conditional sixth and a ham sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, you cross the threshold into chasing that one win versus like getting for sure that top pick in the draft. So just uh, just help 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 a buddy out, help a buddy out here over here in Green Bay. I'm sure that's what they want to hear. <laughs> As for me, go and read my giant tweet storm on Packers stock. Um, I'm actually have a, a post going up tomorrow. I think on it, assuming assuming text gives it his uh, blessing. Um, and uh, I got my review and preview of next week's game up on Shepard Express, and uh, I will have a review of items that you can get in the shareholder pro shop um, going up sometime shortly. So um, there are a couple of funny ones, but the best part I will tell you of the shareholder pro shop. And by the way, if you are a shareholder, there's a special section of the pro shop you can go into with your stock certificate number. Um, People leave comments and reviews on the shareholder merchandise. And uh, there's a couple that are pretty great. So uh, in particular, the wallet that is almost sold out. If you uh, go and track that one down, get a preview of what's going on, it should should be good for you. So, I, I, I will also note the amount of people in my mentions today who were shareholders since 2011 and did not know about the shareholder pro shop. Oh, man. Packers made $25 million today on sold stock, 83,000 shares, and it could go up to as much as 300,000. So mm-hmm. yeah, lots they, they still sold, out there if you want it. Yeah, They it sold 33,000 in the first two hours, and then I'm pretty sure that killed the server, and then like everyone else was in line for four and a half hours. After Sorry, that. Aaron Jones. You had to wait a little bit longer to get your, your share. AJ <laughs> Dillon. Thing, people, AJ were Dillon. Like, people were like, they shouldn't have to wait in line. I had to wait in line. Their happy ass can get up early like I did and wait in line. <laughs> incredible yep all right well that'll do it for us and uh we'll have the mini pod on friday 
and uh, in, enjoy the game against the Vikings on Sunday. Should be, be fun. Sucker,